I'm ministering, I would say one thing, preaching is different. My favorite preacher said, he said, you know, I really don't know what the difference is. I guess maybe it's just a difference of law, of voice, you know, but uh, uh, whatever. And I just want to um, really do my teaching ministry among you here in a very concise and precise manner, a little bit low-key, but I think it will be very understandable. Just because I turn up the volume doesn't mean you're going to hear it better. matter of fact, you may hear it worse and uh, may offend your ears. So I just want to talk to you gently tonight. Everybody hear me fine? Yes. Okay. I usually don't need a microphone in a group this small. Uh, <clears throat> how many of you have your Bibles tonight? Please let me see. Bibles. Yes. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Even if you've got it on an iPhone or uh, some other kind of a smartphone, whatever, you know. I just want you to have your Bible. I, want, I do want you to follow with me. It, it's very important that we follow along in the Word of God, and that's why on a Bible study night I tend to go a little slower so that we can follow along very well. How many of you remember the days when you were in school? Huh? <laughs> Still there, aren't you? <laughs> hey, good brother, you remember your school days? <laughs> Huh? <laughs> Try to forget them. Yeah, yeah, there's something we want to forget. That's the truth. What's your favorite class? You don't have one? <laughs> you know, the only thing I really like is honest people, you know. <laughs> That's the best thing in the world, honest people. I don't have a favorite class. That's fine. Uh, is there anybody here tonight, looking back to your school days, that can tell me that English grammar was your favorite class. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. That's funny, okay? That's funny. It really is. And it you know why it's funny? Because I'm just like you. I didn't like English grammar either. But you know my life has taken a lot of curves and a lot of turns and a lot of uphills and downhills. And I finally discovered about 50 years ago that learning grammar was very important. And that was especially true when we began to study the Portuguese language. And that is when I learned more English than I did when I was in school. <laughs> because the comparisons had to be made. I understood terms that I had never understood before. And I think I have probably bettered my level of English and am able to express myself very well in English and also express myself very well in the Portuguese language, and I do thank God for that ability. Now, <clears throat> somebody stand guard at the door. Don't let anybody run away tonight, okay? <laughs> uh, I, I love to be a little humorous in what I do because... You know, it's just drink like taking a drink of milk. It makes the medicine go down better, you know? <laughs> and a little humor just helps. And I uh, reached back and patted on Noah's <coughs> knee, and I said, I'm talking about the young couples, is that us? He liked to fell off the chair laughing, you know? <laughs> he thought that was funny. Boy, we have gotten eliminated, haven't we? I tell you what. Well, anyway, 
God has been good to us, and I am thankful for all the years that God has given us, and I am certainly not complaining that I have gotten older. <laughs> older. All right. And I do want to talk to you tonight about Bible reading and grammar. Uh, don't look at me like that. <laughs> there are many people who read the Bible and they don't understand it. They really don't understand it because they do not have a good understanding of English grammar. But the understanding of English grammar will help us to understand the Word of God. And when we understand the Word of God, we will be encouraged, we will be strengthened, we will have the victory that all of us want to have in our spiritual lives, all right? Now, in the home that I grew up, my parents were both very fervent Christians, and uh, in our home, we had Bible reading and prayer every night before bed. It was just yeah. what we did. It was a very important part of the family uh, schedule, and it was very, very good. Uh, we even, being that Saturday night, boy, I don't know if any of you are this old or not, but Saturday night was bath night before Sunday. Uh, usually we didn't have baths along through the week, and you say, oh my God. Yeah, well, that's just the way it was. Anybody else remember those days? No? No? Well, that's the way it was. And it was always my job to polish all of the Sunday shoes and set them by the stove so they would get dry, and then I'd buff them out. Saturday night was a very busy night, you know, getting ready for Sunday. So we didn't have <clears throat> our prayer and Bible reading on Saturday night, but we had it on Saturday morning right after breakfast. And that was, breakfast on Saturday morning was a very special time because that was the only day that Dad was home for breakfast. He was usually out and gone very early in the morning and was gone long before we kids were up and getting ready for school. So Saturday morning was a morning for pancakes. Oh, my, pancakes, yes. And, uh, and uh, Mom would make some very delicious pancakes. But after pancakes with syrup and all of that good stuff, then it was time for Bible reading on Saturday morning. But sometimes my friends in the neighborhood would already be there, ready for me to go outside and play. I want to tell you what, it wasn't the most enjoyable thing to take part in family worship, prayer and Bible reading with my friends there in the house. But they wanted to play with me afterwards. They're just going to have to stay for it. So they did. So whether any of that did them any good or not, I don't know. But anyway, that's the way it was. But you know, I, was, I always got upset with my dad when, when dad would correct me and make me go back and read a scripture again because I read it wrong. I didn't pay attention to the commas. I didn't pay attention to the semicolons and the colons and the periods and all of that. You know, and so I'd have to go back and read it again. Oh, just... It just really would get me upset. But today I thank God for that rigidity on the part of my father because I did learn to read the Word of God in a proper way. And I want to help every one of you tonight, all right, to learn to read the Word of God and have a good reading comprehension. If you're in school, you understand that reading comprehension is very important. Uh, if you do those math problems that are story problems, oh, I love story problems. 
I got I got really whipped through those. I I love the story problems, you know, but a um, <clears throat> uh, little story that went with him, you know, and and all, and uh, I could uh, I could move through those story problems and usually get a pretty fair grade, you know, but uh, anyway. Uh, <clears throat> It's very important for us to have reading comprehension. Now, if you read that story, that math problem, that is a story, and you don't have good reading comprehension, you're not going to work it right. All right? Now, when we read the Word of God, we have got to have good reading comprehension. We've got to understand what we read. There's not going to be any blue ribbons given because you read five chapters in one day. Okay, the only advantage that is going to have to you is if you really understood it and you were able to apply it to your lives. Okay, yeah. praise God. Praise Everybody Lord. said, Amen. 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 Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, so, today I really am very thankful to my father for his rigidity and uh, his um, rather stern way of making me read it right. <clears throat> I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about the parts of speech. Now, don't be groaning, okay? <laughs> parts of speech, all right? They're very important. Now, if you think English is complicated, my friend, I'm just going to use a very old country boy friend. You ain't seen nothing. <laughs> Try studying Portuguese. There are about 75 different forms of every verb. And that is true also in the Spanish language. And sunshine, it's complicated. Uh, boy, there's some of that subjunctive area that, wow. And uh, as I do almost every day, I was working on translations again today. And actually correcting my secretary, who is Brazilian, saying, Vera, that's not right. That's got to be this form. No, yes, no, yes. I'm sure glad nobody walks in over our game like that. They would think we were about ready to go to Fifth City. You know? <laughs> but you know, it's only when we can come up with a comprehensive, um, to say, ideas of how it ought to be. And I wish that I had uh, more education in that area. And she also wishes that she had more education in that area as well. Parts of speech. Now, I want to talk to us, first of all, tonight about punctuation. Punctuation. I tell you what, my wife and I both get so upset, so uptight when we get, you know, text messages from some people in Brazil. And it's just all run together. There's no capital letters at the beginning of a sentence. There's no commas. There's no period. There's no colon, no semicolon, nothing. It's just all this text just run together. So you're, okay, now where, where does this stop? Oh, that stops right there, you know. That, that makes reading very difficult. And I said, to people, come on. You did go to school. What did you learn? You know? But, um, you know, I know that most of you probably do a pretty fair job in that area, and I'm not being critical tonight. But I just want us to understand how important some of these parts of speech are, how important our punctuation is, and how important the punctuation is when we read the Word of God. All right? I have asked for an uh, easy race board up here tonight, and we're going to put up here the first um, 
the first uh, punctuation mark. Okay. Okay, what's that called? That's called a comma, all right? Commas are very important. They help to separate different expressions and ideas in a sentence, okay? And without commas, reading would become very difficult and comprehension would become very difficult. When we first started our Bible school in Brazil, uh, I knew that we just had some people that were just really, really, really poor at reading and reading composition. So even though I didn't like to teach that way, I just had them read a lot of things for me because they didn't learn how to read well. They were never going to become a good worker in the kingdom of God. And they would pass over commas and semicolons and colons and periods and just keep going, you know, and it would all run together, you know. And I would make them go back and read it again just like my dad did to me. And I know they probably didn't like it, but I'm sure that it, over time, it began to help them to understand that those punctuation marks were very, very important. Now, a comma uh, is probably the simplest form of punctuation that we have in the English language and also in the Portuguese language. Um, uh, following the comma, then there is the... What do we call that one? Huh? Semicolon. Semicolon, okay. Semicolon, all right, semicolon. What does the semicolon mean? It just means, very simply, that there is a pause that is a little more extended than there is with a simple comma, all right? So when you're reading your Bible, you see a comma, you give a little pause, and then you just go on to the next part of the sentence. You see a semicolon, you're going to give a, a little larger pause there because uh, the rest of the sentence is probably going to change quite a bit in its content, and it will help you to understand where the writer is going. Okay, what's the next uh, punctuation that we'd like to put up here? What's that one? Colon. Colon, all right. The period is a very small pause, semicolon, a large pause. A colon is a little larger pause yet. I use a lot of semicolons in all the writing that I do. Uh, if I'm going to say that my garden is filled with many different kinds of vegetables, I will put in a semicolon and I will say it had beans and beets and tomatoes and, and so on, okay? So we use a semicolon like that and in some other cases but it is a greater pause than either of the other two that we have mentioned tonight. Of course, the greatest pause of all is the very simple period, all right? Come to a period that are like a stop sign, and that's not a California stop. All right. That's a full stop. Stop! And... Uh, and uh, then continue on with the next sentence, okay? Now, these are very important parts of speech that we all need to understand because when we pay attention to them in the reading of our Bible, we will understand much better what the writers in the Bible are endeavoring to say to us, all right? I have had people read 
And uh, they just pass over everything. And when I when they get through, I say, now what does that mean? I don't know. Well, if you had paid attention to the commas and the semicolons and the colons and the, and the periods and all, you would understand what it said. All right, open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Okay. Somebody read for me, please. Anybody? The former treaties have I made. Oh. No, two and one. Two in the days that the day apostles fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. <laughs> The memories, he's telling it to me. That's great, sister. Thank you. And if you will look carefully at that particular verse of Scripture, you will notice, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, comma. All right? So there's a little pause there. So you can go on to the rest and understand fully what that verse is trying to say. They were all with one accord in one place. You know, that must have been a very large accord because they had 120 people in it. <laughs> yeah. Little humor to kind of spice things up tonight. All right. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, so they were all with one accord in one place. There was a comma there, and it helps us to understand very clearly that verse. Now, to illustrate the use of a semicolon, I want you to go to Acts 2. And chap- uh, chapter 2, that is, and verse 44. Right? Someone read for us. And all that believe were together and had all things common. All right. And at the end of common, there is a semicolon. All right? Because there is going to be a pause there, and it's going to go on into verse 45. And it's going to tell you why they had all things in common and they sold their possessions, okay? So that pause helps you to understand in a better way what verse 45 is going to say to you, all right? Now we're going to go, now we're going to, go to uh, Acts 2 and 41. All right, oh, just wait a minute. Yeah, 2 and 41, all right? So I want to read for me. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Thank you, Brother Paul, for that very, very specific pause that you did at that colon. That was right. That was right, okay? And that is the punctuation that helps us to understand uh, these things, all right? Now to to, um, emphasize the period, we're going back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, all right? We will notice at the end of that verse, as there are at the end of many of the verses that we have rather passed over tonight, there is a period. And they were all with one accord in one place. The thought is complete because there is a period there, okay? Now, if you were not to hesitate or to stop at that period, uh, you would just read, And when they did Pentecost and fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly they came to 
you know, it would really get pretty confusing, wouldn't it? So when you're reading the Bible, be sure that you pay careful attention to all of the punctuation that is there. It is for your benefit, okay? All right. Now, uh, now there's one other punctuation that is very important. Very important. Okay. Now, I may going to give you a little shock tonight, but I want you to open your Bible to the book of Romans. Um, chapter 8 and verse 31. Romans 8 and 31. All right. Romans 8 and 31. Somebody want to read it for me? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Thank you, Sister Walmer, for placing that question mark at the end of that verse. That verse is quoted wrong probably 90% of the time. It is read and quoted as though it is a statement. If God be for us, who can be against us? Oh, yes, hallelujah. That's not what it says. It's a question. If God is for us, is there anybody that can be against us? All right. Well, why would there be a question placed there? Well, beginning with verse 32, and on down through to the end of this chapter, the explanation is given as to uh, as to why we should not be afraid. All right, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also also give us all things? Another question, but it provokes our thinking. All right, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. You begin to get the picture there. The question is asked, and then the question is answered in the succeeding verses. We cannot use that verse as a positive statement that if God is for us, who can be against us? That's not what it says. It is a question. And sometimes people not only forget the question mark on this one, but they forget the question mark on a lot of the passages of scriptures as well. The question mark is very important. We need to understand the question mark. A question has been posed, and then a question will be answered. Uh, verse 34 says, Who is it that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Okay? Let's keep the questions where they belong, keep the answers where they belong, and we will have a great comprehension of this passage of scripture that is so encouraging to 
any Christian who may be going through a difficult place in their life. Amen? Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> All right. Now, I want to take you to a couple of other parts of speech that are very important that will help us to understand a lot of different things in God's Word. All right, we have the letter A. All right. What is that letter called? Huh? It's a vowel. I agree, it's a vowel. What else is it known as? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't understand. It's a lowercase a. Oh, lowercase a, yes. Okay. Anybody got an idea? Huh? It's the first letter. First letter of the alphabet. Very true. Okay. It's a pronoun. Huh? It is It is an article. Alright. Not only is it an article, but it is what is called an indefinite article. My wife and I have a little problem when it was a while. I'll say, where's such and such? She said, it's in a drawer in the kitchen. Oh, a drawer in the kitchen. But she didn't tell me which drawer it was in. There's probably about 10 of them, you know. And I get a little frustrated about having to go through all 10 drawers. In the... Why are you laughing? <laughs> I get a little frustrated after I go through all 10 drawers to find what I want. You know, tell me which drawer it's in, all right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always, always, yeah, right. Okay, it is called an indefinite article. Now you, you may question your mind where I'm going with all of this, and I'm going to show you in just a minute, okay? Now we have another article, and this article is the word... Okay? That's an article. This article is called a definite article. Okay. We drive by a field and there's a bunch of cows out there. All right. Well, look there, there's a cow out there. Okay. A cow, indefinite. Okay. Oh, look out there. There is a black cow out there. Look at the black cow. Now, that's a definite article. And so, whoever's listening to me is going to look at the black cow. That is a definite article. All right? And you're still wondering, where in the world are you going with this? All right? I'm going to show you that this can become a very important part of our apostolic doctrine. Okay? It really can become a very important part of our apostolic doctrine. Now, one of the things that we believe with all of our hearts, at least I hope you do, that you will repeat 
Time after time after time from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6 and verse 4, and what does it say? Yeah. I uh, took a whole big display of literature that we printed in our print shop in Brazil to a kind of a community-wide meeting in a city a couple hundred miles from us and spread it all on a bunch of tables. A young lady come by and she said, what? Don't you believe in the Trinity? I said, no. No, we don't. Well, why? I said, because it's not in the Bible. But it is. I said, no, it's not. It's not in the Bible. What in the world? I forgot to know. Sorry about that. And it's just something wanting to sell me something. That's the worst of it. All right. <clears throat> and I said, it's not in the Bible. She said, well, it is. I said, no, it's not. I said, Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Here we Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. What do you understand for one? That's one. Not three, one. Okay. I mean, she is, I could see that she was just kind of mentally scratching her brain, you know. It, it was just so new to her, she couldn't believe it, you know. I said, here's a book. These books are for sale, but because you've asked me such a sincere question and you've shown to me that you have uh, a certain desire to have more knowledge, I'm giving you this book. Read it, and you will come to an understanding that there is not a trinity, but we believe in one God. All right? One God. And the more I read the Bible, the more I don't understand how people can come up with this Trinitarian idea. It just does not make sense. It's not logical at all, okay? So, <clears throat> when we use the definite articles with regard to God, we begin to understand very quickly that there cannot be three or four or half a dozen or a hundred. There's one, and that's all there is, all right? You will see expressions like the Lord God. Not the Lord God's, but the Lord God, singular, all right? And the use of the definite article helps us to understand that, okay? Now, I'm not going to keep you very late tonight, but I just want to give you some of this to chew on, all right? I want you to go with me to the book of John. All right. Chapter 14 and verse 6. All of my readers and I've been from this side, so I guess I'm going to have to point out something this other side. Read that for me, good brother. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man has come unto, unto the Father but by me. Thank you. Okay. I am what first? The way. the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, outside of me, there is no way, right. no truth, or no life. Right. Because that is a definite article. It is. He doesn't say, I am a way, 
or a truth, or a light. The eliminated the possibility of there being any other God, any other way, any other means of salvation. People accuse us, say, my, you are so exclusive. No, we're not. We're very inclusive. If you just do what the Bible says, you can be saved. But when you want to do it on your terms, you're not going to be saved. Right. All right? It doesn't work. We've got to do it God's way. He's the one that has our eternal destination in his hands. All right? Now, another thing in this scripture that just absolutely kills me. All right? And it goes on uh, where we worked as missionaries among most of the Trinitarian uh, uh, churches. All right? They read that scripture. uh, And Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goeth to the Father but by me. Is that what it says? What does it say? Cometh. Wow! Now that really makes a lot of difference, doesn't it? Why does that make a difference? They had to come to him. Why? Because he was God. God was incarnate in that fleshly tabernacle. God was in him. And we can uh, go to another scripture that I just absolutely love. Uh, let me find the okay. Let me find the reference here. All right, uh, uh, first no, second Corinthians five eighteen and nineteen. All right, Sister Camarina, that one's yours. How was that, Sister Camarina? <laughs> second Corinthians five nineteen. 518 and 19. Alright? Ready? Read. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. All right. Will you please show me where you can find a trinity there? <laughs> I can't see it. There is no way for the camera in. No way. Okay. All things are of God. So what I would like to ask the Trinitarian believer, which one? You say there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Which one? Okay. Who do all these things belong to? I mean... This is a facetious question. It's almost making fun of them. I don't want to do that. But um, the, 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 the thing that the doctrine that they adhere to uh, brings these questions to mind. Who hath reconciled all things to themselves? Huh? Himself. Himself. All right. So God, through the body that he made to dwell in, has reconciled the world to himself all right praise god to wit that god was in christ reconciling the world in himself not imputing their trespasses unto them okay now i'm just bringing up some of these things tonight for to help you understand how important that the 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 correct reading of scriptures will help you to come to a full understanding of all of the truth of god's word all right now, I'm going to go back just a little bit here to John chapter 14. 
Uh, well, no, I'm going to go to John 4 first. John 4, 24. All right? Hey, one of you young people needs to read the scripture for me. John 4, 24. All right, young lady, read that scripture for me, please. Please, I want everybody to participate, all right? Well, thank you. Got that up on the screen. My, this is fantastic. God is a spirit. All right? Now, I'm going to be very bold tonight. Very, very bold. Okay? To tell you that this King James Version of this verse that we have just read is incorrect. Quit looking at me like I'm Bill Paul. <laughs> How is it incorrect? It says God, huh? No. If you will go to my Portuguese Bible, you'll go to a Spanish Bible. If you will go to the Revised Standard Version of the Bible, if you will go at uh, what does it say there in the uh, NIV, Linda? Is it, does it say a spirit? I think it does. God is spirit. All right. All right. It says God is spirit. It tells us of his composition. If you put up there, it leaves open the door for there to be a lot of other spirits and a lot of other gods. And that's not true. God is spirit. All right? Makes a lot of difference. It really makes a lot of difference. So when we understand that, it was such a, it was such a revelation to me when I first started reading the Portuguese Bible. I thought, huh? God is spirit. But then as I studied it and thought about it and meditated on it, this makes sense. And I did quite a bit of research on this today. Portuguese Bible, Spanish Bible, uh, Revised Standard, uh, the one that I handed to my wife before I started the study night, which is the... Uh, um, uh, oh, what do you got there? The New International Version, okay. Uh, God is spirit. It tells us what his composition is. He's not flesh. And let me tell you something. I'm going to be very very, very hard-nosed about this. It is wrong, Brother Cameron, it is wrong to refer to God as a person. It's wrong. God is not a person. A person is like us, something that has flesh and bones and blood and, and all of this. This is a person. God is not like us. God is spirit. All right? Now, when we understand correctly that God is spirit, we understand why he is omnipresent. Right. It was such a great blessing to me to be 8,000 miles down there in Brazil, be praying for family, brothers and sisters, siblings, and family here in the States, knowing that as I made my petition there, it was instantly here in the United States. Because God is spirit and everything that i communicate to him is communicated to this great spirit that god is and it goes around the world all right now when we understand that 
It's not that God is a person, oh, you're praying for John, so God, you're going to have to run over here now and, and talk to John. No. I know I'm being a little bit facetious here, but, you know, we, we've sometimes got to change our thinking and change our mind about how we think about some of these things. That when we pray, we are praying to the great eternal spirit that we call God. He doesn't have to remove himself from one place to go to another place. He is present in all places at the same time. We call that being omnipresent, all right? Okay? And then God is omniscient. This means he knows all things. And he is also... Oh, memory, where are you at? Tell me, good wife. Omnipresent, omniscient, and... Omnipotent. Uh, omnipotent, thank you. Omnipotent. What does omnipotent mean? It means that he has all power. All right? So when Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, he was speaking as God who dwelt within that body that God made for himself to live among men. Okay? I didn't intend to get into so much of the wonders doctrine here tonight, but I think it's valid, all right? Because as we pray, if we understand the nature of God, if we understand that he is spirit, we understand that he is present in all places at any given time, we understand that our prayers are heard, it doesn't matter where we are. I have prayed for hours on end in my automobile, making long trips and just praying and seeking God and crying and weeping and, and speaking in tongues and, and singing hymns and everything as I worshiped God. And he was with me every mile. I didn't leave him behind down there at the last gas station where I stopped. He is with me now. All right. <clears throat> okay, now let me roll your mind right now, okay? Why do... <laughs> Why do we come to church and say, God, please come and bless us tonight? Isn't he already here? All right, thank you, Sister Walmer. Okay. Number one, he is omnipresent, so he's here. All right. Number two, we've received the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not the third person of some so called Trinity, but it's God Himself that came to abide in our hearts and lives. God Himself. And so when God's people come together, you that have been filled with his spirit, hallelujah, receive the Holy Ghost and experience the, the initial sign of speaking with other tongues, all right? When you come here to the house of worship, God is here. You are a tabernacle of God's spirit. He goes with you wherever you go, hallelujah. He goes with you to your job. He rides with you in your car. He rides with you on the bus or the train or whatever, you know. But he's always with you. All right? And that is the reason why sometimes if we are in a situation that is not a church environment, people kind of, well, they kind of look at us like, you know, what's he got? I'll tell you what he's got. He's got the power of the Holy Ghost. And people feel that. 
I never forget standing on the street one day, or walking on the street one day, city of Porto Alegre, where we lived for so many years in Brazil. And a gypsy woman come up to me and she grabbed me by and she said, hey, let me tell you your good luck. I said, lady, I don't need you to tell me my good luck. Jesus gives me all the luck I need. Amen. I thought she was going to absolutely cream my cabbage right there. <laughs> she became very angry immediately. Why? Because the spirit that was in me was against the spirit that was in her. It was a demonic spirit that was in her. All right? And so, you know, let's not fear. What the Bible says, fear not, little flock. Fear not, little flock. We may be just a little flock. We may be just a few in number. But God is with us because his spirit dwells within us. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. All right. All right. We covered the part about going to God or coming to God through Jesus Christ. We come to God through Jesus Christ. All right. <clears throat> now, I want to, I got just a few minutes here again. I want to take you to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. And I want to show you some other parts of speech that will help you to uh, understand a little bit better uh, what happens or what should happen when you pray, all right? First John chapter 5, and verses uh, 13 and 14, oh no, 14 and 15, okay? All right, Brother Paul, read the first one. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. All right. Sister Raina, read the next verse. And if we know that he heareth, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. All right. Now, <clears throat> when we talk about verbs, oh my. This grammar lesson is just, I know it's just freaking some of you people out, but I think i think you're going to be with me, all right? When we talk about verbs, Sister Shannon, what kind of verbs do we have? Well, we have action. Okay, action verbs, okay, I think they're all basically action, okay. Action. Huh? Active. Yeah. Huh? Additive. Additive. We have present tense verbs, mm -hmm. we have past tense verbs, yeah. and we have future tense verbs. Right? Sister Camarina, as we read God's word, if we understand the verb that we are reading, it will help our faith to grow in God. Alright? Alright, we still got that scripture up there? Alright? Uh, give me the first one first, uh, Sister. Uh, 14, yeah. And this is, okay, now the, word, the verb is, is that a present tense, future tense, past tense verb? It's right, present. Now. It's right now. It's present tense, right now. All right? My God, I hope that you have not lost your confidence in God. That you still have it. That this is the confidence that we have in Him. 
Now, immediately. But I'm not feeling well. What difference does that make? That doesn't change God. Right. Come on. All right. All right. So this is the confidence that we have. Now there's the next verb. What is that a present tense or future tense or past tense? What is have? Present tense. This is present tense. The confidence that we have in him. Now. I would encourage you in your time of prayer, perhaps, to go to this passage of Scripture and read it before you even begin to pray and say, God, I believe this. Amen? Yeah. I have confidence in you. Okay? What's the next verb? Here with us. No. Ask. Ask. All right? All right? This is the confidence is, present tense, that we have present tense, and ask is also present tense. I got a need right now. I got a pain in my body. I need an answer now. All right? This is the confidence that we have in him. All right? That if we ask anything according to his will, what happens? He hears us. Wow. That's not at some future time. That's not a month from now or a week from now or a year from now. You prayed, God heard you. At that moment, He heard you. You prayed for that need in your family. God heard you. All right? At that precise moment, all right? We're talking a lot about grammar here tonight, and I hope some of these things will help you to understand the way. He heareth us. All right. Now all of the verbs there are present tense. Uh, what does that? What does that say in your uh, in your uh, New International Version? All right. I think it's probably going to be hears. All right. I think it's probably going to be hears. My, I'm so glad you got this Bible on the computer back there. This is nice. This is good. All right? All right? It's right here where he hears us. He hears us. He hears us. Heareth is kind of an old English expression, all right? And we don't use that anymore. Hears us? He hears us, all right? Did I say that? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I think that's important. But I do say that he heard you. All right? And as you continue to ask, we get into some pretty good discussions once in a while. All right? He hears me. I pray, he hears me. You pray, he hears you. Young people, right. if you pray, God will hear you. Yeah. 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 Did you hear me? Yeah. I said, if you pray, God will hear you. Yes, he will. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a little story right now, okay? I'm trying to get through by now. My dad came down with a very, very severe, severe problem in his uh, intestinal system. He had a blockage 
in his large intestine. Very severe blockage. He was home off of the job for days and finally got so bad that he had to uh, be taken to the hospital. And he was taken one evening to the hospital. Uh, I don't know how old I was, but I was very old. But you know, due to the fact that we had prayer and Bible reading in our home on a regular basis, I knew how to pray, and I knew that God would hear me. All right? So my maternal grandmother came to take care of me, or maybe it was me and my brother. I don't remember. I don't remember my sister being born at that time. But anyway, however many it was. But anyway, the important thing is that I was very, very young and very concerned about my father. And I went to my room. And I knelt down by my bed. I can't tell you that I knew how to describe his problem or to say what was wrong with him. I didn't know. But I just knew that he was very sick. And he needed a healing touch in his body. And I began to pray, and I began to ask God to heal him. My grandmother missed me. She didn't know where I was. And I remember as though it were yesterday. She came, and she opened up the door to my bed in just a little crack. And she saw that I was praying. She was a very godly woman. And she closed the door and let me pray. I remember her telling my mother about it the next day. Well, the next morning, when my dad was scheduled to go in for full abdominal opening surgery to correct his problem, he rang the bell, called the nurse, and said, take me, help me to get to the bathroom, all right? And she took him to the bathroom, and he was able to get rid of all of that blockage. All of it, got rid of everything, all right? God healed him. You can say whatever you want to say. Believe whatever you want to believe. But I believe that God heard the prayer of that little boy that was kneeling beside his bed. And that's why I say to you kids tonight, that if you will pray, God will answer your prayer. I believe that with all of my heart. Because God did it for me, all right? Well, you know, we have a tendency to feel that Oh, God only hears the prayers of big people, adults, older people. Not true. Not true. God hears the prayer of children who will pray in sincerity to the Lord. So, anyway, God touched my daddy. All right? <clears throat> now, I want to close tonight with uh, a passage of Scripture from the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the first verse. And it talks about faith. And it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Oh, that's a little bit complicated, okay? So I went to my Amplified New Testament and I began to read it from the Amplified New Testament. I've had that Amplified New Testament for about 100 years. It's getting kind of worn out, but uh, anyway, uh, it still gives me a lot of good insight. Now faith is the assurance. Say assurance with me. Sure. That means the confirmation, the title, the deed, all right, of the things that we hope for, being the proof of things that we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact 
What is not revealed to our senses? Wow, man, that really makes sense, doesn't it? All right? We haven't... And it's... Help Sister Linda understand that I wasn't giving some kind of a false promise or something. Okay? God hears us. It doesn't mean that he's going to answer at that precise moment. Now, there are times when God does. God touched my daddy from one night to the next morning. Period of power less than 12 hours. All right? Those are instant times, too, yeah. We get the answer that we want. Yeah. Uh, that's another Bible okay? <laughs> You're always getting ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I wish I had done. <laughs> Why? No, you're fine. Good. Very good. And the same way in which she comments, any of you can comment. I, I don't have a problem with that. All right? Ask questions, make comments. I don't have a problem with that, okay? But I hope that I can be a blessing to you in all of these Bible studies. The things that we hope for, we have no evidence. No evidence. None. We have nothing to anchor our boat to other than to anchor it to faith in God. That's all. Okay? Faith in God. And, wow. That's enough, isn't it? That's enough, isn't it? Faith in God. That's enough. All right. Well, very well. I hope I've been a blessing to you tonight. A little bit of grammar, a little bit of scripture, kind of a little mixture of a lot of different things tonight, a little bit of humor. But I hope, young people, that I've been a blessing to you to tell you the story of my life that God answered my prayers. And God will answer your prayers also. All right? Believe that with all of your heart. Read the Bible because it is through the reading of God's Word that we are able to glean faith, have faith in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Let's stand together and let's give praise to God tonight, not for Brother Walmer, but for the Word. All right? I have one thing to do in the next three minutes. With the permission of your pastor, I'm going to distribute to you tonight a Bible reading chart. Now, this Bible reading chart will take you through approximately six months. What did I do here? Approximately six months, all right? Now, my wife and I have already uh, done this when we put it together a couple of years ago. These scripture passages can be read in about five minutes. All right? They're not long passages. You don't have to do a marathon reading of the scripture to be um, approved by God. If you can read 10 or 15 verses and understand what you have read, that is the most valuable thing that you can have. All right? So I, I want you all to have one of these Bible reading charts. And I want you to put your name on it. I want you to keep it wherever you want to keep it, by your bed, on the kitchen table, wherever you do your Bible reading. And I hope you do your Bible reading. And I hope that you will follow through with this because I really believe that at the end of six months that these scripture passages are going to so work in your heart that you are going to have greater faith than you've ever had before. Amen? Praise God. Brother Paul, come and distribute this please. Thank you.
And even if it's husband and wife, I, would, I hope that I think there's enough for every wife and every husband to have one. So that you do your own chart, all right? Do your own chart and not do it together, all right? And I, I hope that this will be a blessing to all of you. And this, I'm doing this in accordance with uh, your pastor because he's talked a lot about Bible reading, talked a lot about prayer. So what you're going to do is you're going to take 15 minutes, at least I hope you do, every day, five minutes for this little short Bible reading and 10 minutes to pray. And I came up on this because there was a young man that was in our Bible college that had changed jobs and he got himself into a very, very difficult situation where most of the people that he worked with were involved in some area of spiritism. And the environment that he worked in was just heavy, heavy with demonic activity. And he came and said, for the woman, I am, I am, you know, really in a bad situation. I can't go back to the job I left because they put somebody in my place, but I can't really stay on this place because I'm tormented the whole day with all of these evil spirits. I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to read the Bible for at least five minutes every morning and pray for ten minutes every morning. And I believe that God will change your situation. He came back to me about two weeks later and said, Brother Walmer, God has totally changed the environment and the place where I work. God can do it. God can do it. God wants to do it because God loves you and He wants you to have peace and He can change anybody's heart and can change any environment. To make it more agreeable to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Praise God. Did everybody get one? Huh? Yes. No? 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 Huh? All right. Or I can bring copies. I can bring copies. I can bring copies. All right. All right. You know your Bible. You That's no excuse, bro. That's no excuse. All right. God bless all you people. Love you. And uh, one of the people that I wish had been here tonight that may have needed what I talked about to bolster their faith and, and be more confident in God that we serve. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we are coming to the close of this service and this Bible study. Lord, I have done to the best of my ability what you laid in my heart today to do. And I ask you to bless the words that I have spoken. I ask you to bless your word, which is the most important part to the hearts and lives of every person that has heard me here tonight, that has read with me the passage of Scripture. May their faith be in your word. May their faith be placed in you in a way, Lord, that it cannot be shaken ever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. And I guess dismiss. Thank you. Oh, I'm